Hey guys, G-Man here. Thank you so much for downloading this mega podcast edition of The Bullpen Cart, presented by Thunderblogsports.com. I have Greg, the Prophet Piatelli, and Stevie G back on with me this week as we recap the All-Star break, take a look into the second half and some keys for those teams that are still in the hunt, give a little trade deadline preview, and our favorite stadium snacks and bleacher creatures. As always, please go like, share, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Follow the Thunderblog on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. But now, enjoy the mega podcast. Welcome to this week's special post All Star Game episode of the Bullpen Cart. A mid season special for you guys. Got Greg back with me, the prophet as we call him. And returning to the podcast is Stevie G. What's going on, guys? Hi, Jordy. Dude, feeling fantastic. Uh, I don't want to say Mookie Betts' great defensive play and Craig Kimball's win in the All-Star game stole the show, and Chris Sale's uh, two-shutout innings stole the show, but... Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know? We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. I, uh, feeling great. Feeling great. Uh, Stephen Brett was on the first episode, and uh, the second episode, so it's good to have... Uh, Mr. Yeah, getting the getting the gang back together, Steve. Yeah, we haven't gotten a chance to talk during the season. What have you thought so far? Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a shock. Hitting wild, pitching's pitching's looking pretty good. I mean, I'm 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 uh, most surprised at how terrible the Giants have done. They're getting uh, they're getting Bumgarner back on Saturday, apparently. But yeah, that, are they? Looks too late. Looks too late for them. Yeah, it looks like, or at least it's rumored that he's coming back, or it seemed likely. Uh, that was announced before the All Star game, I think. Yeah, one pitcher's not going to do it, but I no. hear you. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that's turning their season around, but we'll, we might uh, be able to talk ourselves into something like that later. But as uh, as you might have guessed, we didn't record one on Sunday. Greg and I were within minutes of recording, and we figured this week is, is pretty light in terms of sports. Uh, today and, and tomorrow are one of the only calendar days of the year that there are literally zero sports on the calendar uh, unless you kind of meet a golf tournament, but that's even half the big guys don't even play that because of the uh, Open Championship next week. So we figured we'd do a little midweek pod for kind of covering last week and previewing this weekend and next week uh, to kind of cover that. But let's get right into this past week. Uh, we saw some teams come in pretty hot, but let's just get right into the, the all-star break that was the Home Run Derby. I think was easily one of the best home run derbies I've ever seen and maybe ever. What do you guys think about that? 
Oh, I completely agree with that. I don't remember enjoying the All-Star game as much as I did on Monday night uh, for a long time. So yeah. it's definitely great to see all the young the young talent that was on display. And, uh, you know, we definitely, Judge definitely lived up to the hype, to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, I turned to Emily uh, as uh, Bohr finished up his first round being like, holy shit, ESPN really desperately is wanting him to, to beat this. And, and I, don't, I don't know, but the fact that he did and that performance and how far he hit the ball, holy shit, it was incredible. Yeah, and it just came off the heels too. I feel like it was like one group later after Sanchez – uh, upset Stanton. Yeah, it was. Um, or, yeah, it was. It was either right there. Three of the four were pretty good. The Bellinger round was pretty good, where he hits that buzzer beater to tie it and uh, go into the or to, not to, and uh, go into the bonus time to to move on. It was definitely an awesome, awesome experience. I mean, I think the moving to moving to the time absolutely needs to stay, and I, I can't really think of any ways to sort of tinker with it to make it more exciting. I don't know if it's we just had the perfect storm of competitors of two guys from the hometown and judge and Gary killing the ball for the Yanks and, and everything there. But, uh, I'm, you know, I think it was it's pretty awesome. So I, I, I agree. I only have two gripes with it. Um, you know, obviously you want Bryce Harper, but you know, you'll take what you can get or Eric. What about Eric James? Like, you know, yeah. this dude, was crushing home runs and top five in the national league. So, um, yeah, I feel like he should have gotten a nod a little bit, but, uh, you know, obviously I'm happy with the guys that showed up. And, um, my only thing is, do you think that they should do like a, the top four AL home run guys, the top four NL home run guys, or do you like this whole, let's just invite people who mash the ball and, and batting practice? The, I like the, the idea of inviting players. I mean, I think if you, you can't force players to do it, first of all. And I think, second of all, when you mentioned Thames, uh, I guess Bohr was in here more because he was a hometown guy, but I think he got to be in the All-Star game to be a part of the uh, Derby. It's my own opinion. I like that. Yeah, I like that, too. I, I thought it was nice that like, the hometown guy got to be in it, but I totally agree. Have all All-Stars that are in it. Um, yeah. And to answer your question, Greg, it would be interesting to have – I was about to ask, do you think they should go back to the captain's picks like they had in those last couple years before they decided to do the timed and kind of have that American League, National League pride on the line? Um, another idea that I even thought of, because it comparatively to what it was before it was timed, it went by really quickly. It was started probably at 8.20. The broadcast started at 8, and it was done by like 10.30. It was – De- okay. Yeah, it was. It didn't run long, which was really great. Yeah, I remember like I one of the first years I was doing the blog, I tried to live tweet the thing, and it went until one a.m. And I was like, it was a yeah. Cespedes. I think it was. I think it was the second Cespedes one, not at City Field. I forget where it was in two thousand fourteen. But it was like it. It was fun seeing Cespedes kill the ball, but like, could you imagine having to wait to see Aaron Judge ultimately win the thing? And granted, he did all this fun stuff at the beginning, but. I mean, you had to wait to finally see him get crowned, or even if it's a Josh Hamilton type of situation from 2008, and that's at midnight. I mean, you want to make it more fun for kids. Having it end at 10:30 on a Monday in the middle of the summer certainly uh, appeases to those uh, parents wanting to put their kids to bed. Yeah, and it just stinks too, because like 
Yeah. Oh, not stinks, but like Aaron Judge had a couple. Didn't he have like two or three that hit off the roof that like stood to hit even more? I mean. Yeah, the one didn't again, count. There was the confusing thing in the 23 home run one. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt yeah. you. No, please. I mean, I just, I just, I mean. I, I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I'll say I enjoyed it. I think this format works best with the four-minute time limit. Uh, I think that one issue is that as great as the first round was, it kind of loses its luster in the second round very quickly. I mean, obviously it was fun to watch Judge, but everybody else looked like they were already, they were already pretty worn out in that yeah. first round and really weren't going to be able to, you know, weren't going to be able to perform and like, do the same thing twice. So. But yeah. Other than that, I really, you know, two thumbs up for the derby. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah I, we didn't get our we didn't get our uh, Stanton versus Judge matchup, but still, I agree it was good. The only thing I hated was Mark Teixeira. I think that guy is brutal. Hated him as a player um, for obvious reasons, and I didn't think he did much better on the broadcast. But uh, other than that, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I was about to I was about to make that comment as well. I wrote. In uh, my little nightly wrap-up posts I've been doing, that I, I wasn't a huge fan of, of the broadcast outside of Carl Ravitch. It almost seemed like a really, really ca- uh, casual episode of Baseball Tonight where they happened to have something going on in the background that they were distracted by. Because you'd have either Jess Mendoza or, or Teixeira, who's talking to all the Yankee players who he played with nine months ago. And they're, they're all buddy-buddy and like, Ravage is trying to announce the home runs and, and whatnot. And it was it wasn't as fun. Granted, it's hard to fill boomer shoes, but it wasn't nearly that same level. Hey Jordy, where can you find those weekly roundups? Oh uh, yeah, the, I've mentioned it a few times at the blog, thunderblogsports.com. Good uh good organic website placement there, Greg. Hey, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> no, need to need to drive that traffic. Well let's move on to the game itself. Uh, Greg mentioned it, Chris Sale. And Max Scherzer both came out strong. Scherzer only went one inning, and a uh, big part of it's that the game no longer counts, uh, which I think, Greg, we erroneously said it still did count last week, so our bad. But what did you guys think of it not counting from last night? Do you think that attributed to the 2-1 score, or was it just that these guys throw absolute gas, and that's uh, always tough to reach? Yeah, I think it's more about the pitching. I mean, when you get that all-star game, you get pumped up. I mean, Sale was hitting 100 on the gun. There's, it's tough to hit. When you're facing the best pitchers in the game, you know, and they're only throwing one inning, it's, it's going to be tough to really generate any sort of consistent offense. So, not too much out of the unexpected. A little boring, to be honest, but uh, all in all, you know, good, good few days for baseball. Yeah, absolutely. Greg, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I I personally think that, uh, you know, I like that it meant something, but at the same time, you know, it makes sense for the guys relax a little bit. And the reason why I think it was a 2-1 game is plain and simple is that, you know, when you're playing a team, you know who's pitching days in advance. You yeah. have some time to watch some tape, watch some film. Like you, It's so unpredictable who's going to pitch the next inning, like... After Scherzer was done, they came out with that Phillies guy who pitches the weirdest, worst style I think I've ever seen, which Pat. you and I talked about, Jordy, um, when Pat. the Red Sox played the Phillies. And it's funny because his name is being shopped for a Red Sox possible trade, but we can get to that later. But yeah. it's just it was just like Steve said, 2-1 is kind of a boring game, but there were some great defensive plays, and I love watching Cano field some baseballs. Yeah. Kanoa definitely had a great a great day. Mookie had that awesome uh, 
don't test my arm moment with Nolan Arenado trying to tag up. Uh, it's definitely, yeah, great. yeah, definitely. If you enjoy that aspect of baseball, or even if you just like watching Bryce Harper flip his hair, you had you had some interesting moments. Uh, obviously, the Robinson Cano home run was pretty awesome. I didn't realize there hadn't been a home run in what like four years until last night, until they were saying in the broadcast. That's crazy. Yeah, that that's, that's nuts funny. to me. But again, that's you know that's what happens when you're facing the best in the game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I agree with you guys. Definitely a little tough and stretched out, um, but it went also went pretty quick. The game started the All Star game. Usually, I mean, the I love the pregame stuff, but it always takes forever. And the game ended at like eleven thirty, and usually, I mean, these long games are making a lot of pitching changes, especially everybody getting in. You know, it could have easily been what uh, the Yankees and Red Sox normally do and get three and a half, four hours. So I was glad at least it, it wasn't a long game. It d- just not a lot of scoring, not a lot of base running. No, it was good. It was, uh, it was, it was, you know, all you can ask for from the All-Star game. I mean, I think it's clear the Derby is the show, and they kind of present it that way. Yeah. But the All-Star game does the job. Do you guys like, quickly just look into next year, because it's going to, I believe, Nationals Park. Do you like that it's now just everybody bids for it like the Olympics or the World Cup, or did you guys like the alternate of NLAL? Uh, I like. I mean, I think they should just show off as many ballparks as they can. Regardless if it's AL and NL, it's. I mean, it's a meaningless game. It's it's more about showcasing the sport and the talent than anything else. So, I think just you know get to the new ballpark, show off what you can, and move on. Don't really worry too much about AL versus NL. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I I have a different take. I mean, I I, I was going to ask you that uh, this week, Jordy, or last week, and my questions is is. Yeah, I've been noticing there's been a lot of National League parks recently, and that was my question is that I kind of like the rotating because you got the chance to showcase every ballpark, um, like Steve was saying. But, um, you know, I understand that you want to get the new ones out there, and, and, you know, they also want to close down Yankee Stadium and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, I kind of like the keep it moving, rotating between both flip-flopping, who's the home, who's the away, all that nonsense. But now that it's meaningless, I guess, like Steve said, it's more about showcasing the young talent and showcasing, you know, what the league has to offer. And I'm so pumped that Aaron Judge did terribly in the MLB All-Star game because uh, <laughs> he's he's overrated and Mike Trout is way better and so is Mookie Betts. But we can talk about that later. Do you think it's swing? To Hate to break it to you, Greg, but Aaron Judge is the face of baseball. Uh, I don't know, Mike Trout. No, I mean, I mean, <laughs> Bryce Harper said Aaron. last night. You know, there's there's a lot of faces to baseball. He, Bryce Harper, I think, is a uh, believer in the many faced God. Quick Game of Thrones reference for you. <laughs> you know, Bryce Harper just wants to be a face, but I, you know, he's he's trying to make baseball fun again and always stirring the pot. But uh, you know, I think it's I think honestly, Trout hurt. With Trout Hurt, it, it allowed Judge to chill those shoes, and everyone everyone's looking, especially nowadays, to to look at the young guys. I mean, you see with you saw it with Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott this year in football. You know, if, if a rookie or a young guy does something great, everyone goes nuts over it, and that's just the way things are. Um, which is awesome because there's so much young talent out there, especially in Major League Baseball, that the future is bright. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm a on that same note of, of little kids and, and loving the younger players, Whoops. one that you see, uh, you see, hopefully you're... I don't think you meant to say little kids. Well, no, no, no. 
Well, I meant young players and like kids like emulating it because that's where like and that's why I was getting at with like the game being quick was was for you know younger fans of the game. My reference I was gonna make was that you're glad that you don't see haircuts like Bryce Harper's, like how in a different sport with Ricky Fowler, little kids dressing up in bright orange on golf courses all day. That's what I was trying to get at, not any of that bullshit. <laughs> Fucking assholes. Oh, <laughs> no. It was an astute point. <laughs> no, we're just uh, it's funny because, like, last year everyone had a mohawk because of Bryce, and this year I'm sure everyone's going to blow it out because of Bryce. I mean, yeah. You know, Judge is just so goofy. He's got the little gap teeth. I, th- I was thinking seen? about this at the, at, the, at the Home Run Derby. I hate people with gap teeth. Michael Swayhan. Yo, I was about to ask, have you, seen, <laughs> have you seen these memes that people put out of, like, two famous of two famous people equals, like, a, a young athlete? Uh, there's the one that's uh, that's for Aaron Judge. It's Derek Jeter plus Michael Strahan equals Aaron Judge. Damn. <laughs> There's that's one that's funny. um that's Drake plus Screech from Stay by the Bell equals Lonzo Bell, but it's hysterical. <laughs> uh, Lonzo Ball. Uh, but let's uh awesome. let's move on. I wanted I moved around the fan favorite segments, the stadium snacks, bleacher creatures. Before we go into looking at the second half, I uh, wanted though to look at look, kind of look back on our first half of the season. Kind of wrap that up a little bit, because Greg, as you mentioned at the end of the last show, we didn't do a stadium snacker, bleacher creature, or even beer. Matt hasn't been on in, in a while, but uh, we'll do. We'll try to fit in a little beer. But I know uh, Greg and I. I know from talking, we've both been to games. Steve, I'm assuming you've been to a couple games or at least one. Let's uh, let's look back. What are some of the fa- your favorite snacks you've gotten so far this year? Oh wow! Well, I've only been to City Field so far. Um, that's all right. I've only I been guess, to CBP. I guess I'll say the dough in a promenade court is uh is pretty great. It's tough to beat uh, when you get that for no line. So what what is the dough? dough. It's, uh, it's cookie dough. Ooh. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's called the place called Dough that just opened up in the city a while ago. It's the line is always around the corner and out the door, but thankfully, like they have a little. Booth in City Field. There's never a line, and it's really, really delicious. That's awesome. So it's just cookie dough. Yes, that's awesome. A few different flavors, but yeah, it's, it's really pretty great. That's that's awesome. They're, don't, um, they, don't they don't they like not make don't they not put an egg in it so it lasts longer? I couldn't tell you that. And that yeah, so that, like, isn't that the reason why like you're not supposed to eat cookie dough too? Is because like there's a raw yeah. egg, yeah. Yeah, so they, they don't have that part in it. Yeah, so yeah. my stadium snack of the first half um, has to be uh, went to Fenway twice. And uh, first time, yeah, I'd say the second time was a nice hot summer day. Got my bag of peanuts, got my Dell's lemonade, which was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. um, the, the combo of the two little slut it's almost like a little... Italian ice meets slushy, Steve. This Dell's lemonade, perfect. Wow, that um, good. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, plus, you can't hard to beat up salty peanuts. Um, and then obviously Fenway Frank is a Fenway Frank, which is next level good. Um, and those were those were my stadium snacks for the first half. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I've been to a few games. I always try to go for the. 
know, the hot dog of the month, uh, which I, I've gone over the one that I tried in April. Uh, didn't find the one when I went last weekend to Citizens Bank Park, but I did go to Bulls Barbecue. I think I've talked about it on here once before, but it's a guy who used to play for the Phillies, Greg Luzinski, the Bull is his nickname, has a barbecue pit out in center field at Citizens Bank Park. Uh, got all sorts of barbecue foods. The one that my dad turned me on to is their uh, roast beef sandwich. It's a little more, little more cooked, so it's not necessarily like a rare roast beef, but the au jus they put on it is incredible. They basically they soak the meat in it enough so that there's still juice caught when they dump it onto the roll. You know, put whatever peppers, horseradish, whatever you want on it. Wrap it up quickly for you. So what, by the time you start walking back to your seat, you can just kind of feel the the juice caking up within the within the roll. It's com- the roll is almost completely fucked by the time you get back and just soaked in juice, and it's incredible. Great sandwich, a little spice to it. It's a uh, if you ever get a chance, it's good, not too terribly priced for stadium food. Good with a uh, nice cold beer. But that's probably my one of my favorites. Always a, a go-to if I get the chance. Little, little roast beast? Yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a good time. Jordy, <laughs> I, I could listen to you talk about food and, and describe food with that voice of yours so raspy. I could listen to it for hours. <laughs> Raspy. I'm, uh, I'm glad we're, we're defining the voice. Yeah. Uh, on the, the the you talking about lines around the corner for foods, the big one that's trending here, it's been around, it's still around the corner. It's been here for a year. Do you guys have rolled ice cream in New York or in Boston? Yeah, we do. I don't think I, I've never had it, but I'm pretty sure we do. Yeah, it's not necessarily worth it because it's just base, it's ice cream that like they flatten on a cold stone and roll it. So it's there's a heavy premium to it. the The novelty is there enough that you can try it once. Um, it's pretty good, uh, but it's definitely uh, lying around the corner is whatever I think of whenever I pass because there's now you know five different chains that are on you know every third corner. So you walk by at least two on your way to work. Yeah, that's the big Instagram trend of the week. Yeah, or the year, I guess, in uh, in good old Philly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but bleacher creatures, what do you guys – do you guys have any that you remember or any good ones that you might have seen when you were at the ballpark? Yeah, so, I mean, I didn't see one uh, other than, um, you know, a couple guys diving around at Fenway, you know. People in Massachusetts, how we how they could be. Um, the one that sticks out for me though is the guy who at Fenway. Uh, no, it wasn't at Fenway. The guy who was caught like three foul balls in the in the same exact seat. Like he didn't run around. Oh yeah. He was literally sitting in the same exact seat and caught three foul balls. And, um, do you remember that from a couple weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, that was yeah, that was pretty recent. Yeah, that's not easy to do. Even getting yeah, I mean, one. I is... feel like I feel like getting a. I mean, if you're not a hardo and run around to different seats, I feel like actually getting a foul ball um, maybe happens once or twice in a lifetime, and this yeah. guy got three in one game. I mean, that's pretty lucky, if you ask me. Yeah, the only way you can really like position yourself for that is like go to the Phillies right now and sit in left field, and even then you do have to move around a little bit. But with uh, on a certain day with a certain pitcher, the other team's going to be teeing it off right to left field. So there's. Hot tip for Philly. <laughs> Almost happened to me last year at the Pirates game. There's three, but I happened to sit in the one section that had people, so I couldn't dive in front of people. It's, wait 
until Clay Buckles comes back, if he comes back, he'll be letting up some dingers. <laughs> nah, he's out for the year. But yeah, that's yeah, that's a good one. No, 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 we can. Yeah, there's there's some guys, but he's out for the year, unfortunately. Especially once they do dish some of the dudes that they're talking about. But Steve, you got a you have a bleacher creature you want to talk about? Yeah, I mean, uh, from the Mets, there's always cowbell man. You know, he walks around the stadium with the cowbell. Getting people to chant "Let's Go Mets." Uh, been there for as long as I can remember. He's got his own personalized jersey. Uh, he is consistent, man. He is dedicated to the Mets, and it's it's always a fun time when Cowboy Man comes around. Like it, I like it. Mine? That's awesome. I didn't, that's yeah. great. Yeah, I didn't even know that's that. Huge. That's that's awesome. Mine's gonna yeah. be a little more recent. It, uh, Philadelphia man that happened to be down in Miami. It's gonna be Joel Embiid. Do you guys see this? The home run derby. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Joel Embiid, the seven-foot-tall man with a broken foot, was at the Home Run Derby in left field. He caught two home run balls, and he's leaning over the railing, grabbing balls and whatnot. And, uh, yeah, he uh, he had a great time, and then he he met up with some little kids, so did his uh, fan service as well. But uh, That's the second reference to the little kids you've made here, Jordy. Uh, Off the rails. What? He's a he's a man of the people. Little hey, um, listen, dead serious, legit serious. Um, are we concerned for your boy Mark Fultz and the rest of the injuries that every first round pick of Philadelphia? <laughs> he said he's been cleared. He's not playing for the rest of this summer league bullshit. But he's not. He's cleared. He'll be all right. Ben Simmons was working out with LeBron, so you know that's okay. Joel, apparently his foot's okay, but he also had a torn meniscus and was out at a concert the day before the Sixers ruled him out for the season. So hopefully JoJo's okay. He's a fun guy, great entertainment factor both on and off the court, as proven by his bleacher creature status. Uh, but, you know, uh, the the there's a little bit of the – the uh, the ears are perked, if you will, on, in terms of looking out for injuries. Hey, listen, Nerlens Noel started with him, right? Oh God, oh, Nerlens, I miss that man. You see, he talk. You see, he talked to Hanky at the summer league. Sorry, well, well, we're gonna keep it on baseball. Um, but yeah, those are bleacher creatures. Do you guys have any go-to beers that you that might be, whether it's the the big names or you know, city specific when you go to the ballpark? No, nah, I usually like to change it up. Just, you know, it's really a shot in the dark every time I go up to the stand. Yeah. Great. What about you? Um, yeah, I mean, I typically get the Harpoon IPA or Ooh. one of the Harpoon beers that they got going on. Um, you know, I, I'm a fan of their stuff, but I too have that little app, Jordy, that you have, so it's good to diversify the portfolio and without giving out free advertisements but it's a beer app um yeah you know just look up beer app and you'll find some beer apps that's all we'll say about that um (laughs) i uh yeah i'll sometimes diversify it up i like uh i've gone with america the last few times i've gone to the uh the old ballpark i've been on the hunt i was uh pretty upset the first time i went down to the ballpark and went to xfinity live and they didn't have summer love yet I was pretty happy, though, on Saturday. They finally had it uh, at the Victory Beer Hall, um, which I, I think I've talked about on here before, but a pretty light light ale, uh, good uh, good old you know 
uh, beer you can drink a few times within you know within a you know couple hours and, and not feel terribly full. It's not too heavy that way. Uh, brewed right outside of Philadelphia, a little bit further west from where I'm from, uh, in Downingtown, Pennsylvania, for those uh, in the Philadelphia area. I'm sure you've heard of Victory Brewery. Uh, but, yeah, that's one of my go-tos. Um, but, uh, America, excuse me, Bud Light. Um, sometimes Miller Light, you know, depends on what's there. Yingling became a sponsor this year for uh, for the Phillies, so they um, have a big sign in left field. That's it's been a go-to as well, but... Definitely uh, have a few that I, I keep on a rotation. Wouldn't be wouldn't be a silly man if you didn't rope in Yingling somehow. Jesus. America's oldest brewery. Gotta stick with the hometown beers. <laughs> yeah, moving on here. Yeah, let's America's move on. America's oldest brewery. Get, the, get out of here. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, let's America's move on. America's oldest brewery. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on. Uh, let's look to the second half, though. We're going to go over some keys for the second half. We're going to start, though, on the teams that are you know up towards the top and that we think are going to fall down, fall off the most. There's a stat, I think, and it and I'm probably going to misquote this, but I believe it's like six out of ten teams on on July 1st are usually in, which is not too surprising. But, I mean, who do you guys think are going to fall off as the second half rolls out? You know, we don't want to root for any injuries or anything, but who do you think can't sustain the start they've had? Who can sustain it? Who cannot? Who will fall off? Who cannot? Um, the first two teams that came to mind were the Rays and the Twins. Yeah. Um, obviously, both teams kind of coming out of nowhere this year, both of them right in the thick of the race. Uh Wild card and division, really. Uh, the question is, I mean, will the pitching staff hold up? You know, Santana's been great for Minnesota. Berrios has been great since he's been called up. They got some good bats in that lineup, Dozier and obviously Sano. Um, but, you know, they always seem to have, at least recently, they always seem to have one year they have a great first half, only the tail off. And then uh, for the National League, it's tough to say with the way the standings are. You know, you got it's so top-heavy right now. Uh, you got those three teams in the West. You know the Brewers, who've got a lot of four and a half, five game lead on the Cubs. Then you got the Nationals running away with the East. Um, you know, I'd say the Rockies because their pitching staff is so young and unproven. Uh, you know, Kyle Freeland and Antonio Sanzela have already looked like they're starting to uh, hit a little bit of a wall. So we'll see if they get enough pitching to keep up what they're doing throughout the rest of the year. I like it, Greg. What about you? You know. That's wild because I also had the Tampa Bay Rays and I also had the uh, the Diamondbacks and the Rockies. I actually think that uh, between between the Diamondbacks and Rockies, I think one of them fall. I think one of them actually gets caught here by either the Cardinals or the Cubs. Um, you know, and then I mean the Rays. They look great and they're doing well, but it's also by a fault a little bit with how much the Yankees and Red Sox haven't lived up to their full potential yet, but they certainly will. Um, and a team, I mean, I, I, I think that uh, we doing teams to look out for. Should I wait for that? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, well, my bad. No, you're good. I, uh, I mean, it's pretty much chalk for me as well. Uh, the Rays, I, I, I don't really see them sustaining it. And we'll touch on, tra- on trade deadline stuff, but it kind of it's unfortunate that they're sitting where they are right now because they're probably not open for talks yet. So it'll be interesting to see how they open up. 
Uh, but, I mean, everyone else that you guys said, I think if I had to pick one of the Diamondbacks and the Rockies, I'd probably pick Colorado. Arizona's def- or Arizona's offense has been a little, little more uh, – actually, they're both pretty good, but their their pitching's been a little better. Um, so I'd prob- probably go that way. Uh, but, yeah, let's look at teams to look out for. Greg, since you were about to, to go, let's uh, continue on with you. Yeah, I mean, I got two uh, from the East, or the American League, sorry. Um, the Royals, you know, they I feel like they're going to, they always find their stride here in the second half. And then with Trouty coming back, um, I feel like the Angels are going to, you know, their pitching is always suspect, but they're only three games out of the wild card. You know, I feel like they can make a nice little run here. Um, as uh, you know, it, it's so tough because that, that AL West, they got, you know, the Angels, Rangers, and Mariners are all within three games, four games of the wild card, and all three of them have, have enough talent on their teams to make a little run here um, at that wild card or even their – I mean, not their division because Houston's just blowing everyone out. But yeah. um, it, it, I, I personally think it will be the Angels just because they're getting their best hitter back, their best player back, um, and he single-handedly can have that big of an impact, I believe. Um, but – uh, you know, I think the Royals, like I said, they have to have that that ability to turn it on in the second half. Uh, and then from the National League, you know, like Steve was saying, it's it's such a crapshoot. The the, the the Nationals and the Dodgers are running away with both their divisions, and the Brewers are five and a half up. So it's like you know, barring a huge collapse by them, you know, five and a half is certainly not insurmountable. But um, you know, I feel like. Cardinals and Cubs, I feel like we'll figure it out. You know, you can do some some postseason hangover potentially for the Cubs, but their pitching has not looked great all year. So, um, in terms of the hot teams or teams coming up in the National League, I found this a little harder to figure out and, and maneuver. But I went with the teams that have that are the, that have the smallest gap to overcome um, in, the, in the Cubs and Cardinals. I like it, Steve. What about you? Yeah, I'm with Greg. I mean, the AL in particular is really interesting, and it's crazy when you look at these standings because the AL, no team is more than seven and a half, you know, out of a wild card spot. And the NL, no team is closer than seven and a half to a wild card spot. So this is just a stark difference in what, you know, you're looking at. But I, for the American League, um, there's such a big group of teams to pick from. Just to be different, I'm going to throw the Seattle Mariners out there. Ah, damn it. They were my. They are my preseason pick to win the division. Um, their offense has quietly been very good. Cano, you know, Cano is still doing his thing. Cruz is still having a big year for them. Kyle Seeger hasn't really started getting going for them. You know, if he comes back strong, uh, they, you know, the question is, will they get enough pitching? Uh, their starters have been very weak with Hernandez not having a great year fighting injuries. Uh, Pax has been solid, but Miranda hasn't been great. Uh, their bullpen hasn't been. You know, they've had a lot of issues at closers, but out of that group, they're one team I definitely like. And then, as Greg said, the Royals—they just—they have a team with the pedigree on it, uh, and they're really interesting. But again, uh, but again, all those teams in the AL should make for an interesting trade deadline. See which teams sell and buy. And in the National League, uh, I don't really see too many teams making any miracle comebacks here. I think the Rockies buybacks both be more than good enough to hold off any comers for that for those wild card spots. But if I had for the sake of picking one, I'm gonna go with the Cubs because we know how much talent is on that roster. If the pitching figures it out, they'll be good to go. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. The pitching does need to figure it out a little bit, although at the same time their run their runs allowed 
isn't as high as you might expect for how inconsistent their pitching's been. It's the run score that's really uh, really kind of lacking. In terms of runs against, there aren't too many teams that are lower than them, and all the teams that are, the we'll go just in reverse order, the Nationals, who allowed three, three less, the, before, the Cardinals, who allowed 10 less, the Diamondbacks, who allowed 55 less, and the Dodgers, who only allowed 100 less, or almost 100 less. And they all have great pitching. Uh, so, I mean, if they can get a little more consistent and the bats can get it going, because the only teams that have scored less runs are all at the bottom of their various divisions, the Giants, the Padres, and the Phillies, uh, and the Pirates, actually. But they're all at the bottom of their divisions. So if they can get a little more consistent on both ends, I think they can certainly get up there. And, Steve, I agree with you with the with the Mariners. I put in the notes teams that you can really just talk yourself into, into believing it in. Going into this, I really was talking to myself into the, the Mariners, getting it together, getting a little more consistent, especially on the pitching end, and maybe not necessarily getting all the way there. I think they can get close. It depends on ultimately how well do the Yankees and the Red Sox rebound, and you know can can the Royals do what the Royals normally do, and how do the Twins perform? But I do definitely think that they they bounce back pretty well from the pretty abysmal start they had from the beginning of the year. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at looking at the American wildcard standings. I'd say, like, it's still wide open. Any team from Minnesota who's won back of the race to that second wildcard spot all the way down to Seattle, maybe even throw Toronto into that mix. They you could. If they can get their offense going, uh, you know, they got some good bats in that lineup, but it's just so wide open right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um yeah, I mean, but uh, moving on to just kind of some quick uh, quick hits on our, our various teams. Steve, we'll uh, we'll get kind of a, a recap of your of the first half since we had never really gotten that for you with the Mets, and then we'll get your keys for the second half for them. Sounds good. I mean, it's tough to really say anything about the first half. You know, they just had. They've dealt with so many injuries. It's it's been almost untenable as a Mets fan. Just every night, it seemed like, or at least for a while there, it seemed like every night somebody else was going down and getting hurt. Um, so it's been it's been a tough season to say the least. I yeah. mean, you know, there's been very few bright spots, but I mean, Syndergaard getting hurt, Harvey getting hurt, Degrom struggling at the end of the season, Kazelman really not finding his form from the second half of last year and again getting hurt. Seth Lugo was hurt to start the year. Wheeler, who's been, you know, he's had some, for the most part, he's been very good, but other than that, you know, nothing special, but I think we still haven't really seen the best of him. Uh, Mass has been solid since he came back, but again, like, these guys aren't making 30 starts in a season, which is, which is a big problem for them. Um, and then, you know, it's the offense, the same thing. Cespedes missed a lot of time. And obviously, it's well known how important he is to this lineup and what he can contribute when he is fully healthy. Uh, he's just a different taker in the middle of that lineup. Uh, their lack of a true leadoff hitter, they have no speed, has really hurt them. Trying to struggle to generate runs. Um, but, you know, they have some bright spots. Jay Bruce has been phenomenal. Uh, if nothing else, they should have some pieces to trade. Jay Bruce, Addison Reed, Curtis Granderson, after what was a miserable start for him, has quietly come on and been one of the best hitters of baseball over the past month, month and a half or so. 
Um, they've got options. I just I don't really see a second half run coming from them like we did last year. They have a lot of ground to make up, a lot of teams to pass, and I'm just, the starting pitching is not going to be nearly consistent enough. And I think by the time July 31st comes around, we're going to see a lot of changes. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully they're smart enough to call up Ahmed Rosario and just see what he can do because he's the future of this team, and it's time to see what he brings to the table. Awesome. Greg, we've done some Red Sox talk. What are your keys for the second awesome. half? Listen, it just sounds so sh- it just sounds so shitty. All those injuries, I I I, I feel for you, Steve. It's tough when you go into watching a Met game, not thinking what's going to happen, who's going to get hurt tonight. <laughs> <laughs> miserable, miserable way to watch. To watch game. If you really want to see, they have you should see them. They have a sponsorship deal with Norwell Health, and they provide. They do one Instagram post a month. Where it's health tips from the New York Mets. You should, you should see some of the responses that you post at that. Oh, I can it imagine. Is, I can imagine. Hysterical. That's oh, awesome. Some of the responses that people post to these things. It is. It's just really a great, a great personification of the state of the Mets. And then obviously the coup de grace of it all was uh, the one and only Mr. Met flipping off a fan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, that's just brutal. I wish. Uh, damn. Well, I, hope, I hope everyone gets healthy, Steve. Uh, big fan of those pitchers you got there, but um, yeah, Jordy. I mean, Red Sox are they've under. It's it's such a weird. It, we're in a weird situation because you know, beginning of the year, you know, you told me All Star break Red Sox are in first. I would say, yep, I agree. But the way it happened, the you know, they struggled. They had they had some injuries in their their. You know, their pitching staff, Porcello, has been a shell of himself, or the shell of the guy who was last year. Uh, the offense clearly is missing Ortiz in terms of power numbers and, and getting the RBIs up. But, you know, they're st- they find themselves in first, and part of that has to do with the Yankees being young and, and streaky hitters and, and uh, you know, with that little fucking baby bomber catcher being out, whatever, Sanchez, whatever. But, El Gary. you know, it, it's it's <laughs> it's it's you know if you told me they were in first I would say yep I agree um, and it's just the way it happened it was a little weird keys to the second half plain and simple I mean they finally their pitching staff you know they finally are gonna be able to set their guys up um, you know Sale Porcello Price Rodriguez try to go one two three four um, right now they have Pomerantz or Fister slotted in that five spot uh hopefully we can you know upgrade at that five spot if not you know just throw out one of those guys every other time and you know get there to the playoffs and you only pitch three or four guys anyways so um you know upgrades obviously i'd like to see them get some a guy with a little bit of pop in his back um you know that's what they need they don't yeah they they might need a third baseman but they got two young guys in uh seisu lin um and uh you know and marco hernandez between the two of them you know they're doing pretty well at third sort of a platoon guy and you know but they just need to need, need a guy with some pop uh or hanley ramirez needs to figure out his little shoulder problems uh in order to for them to do well that's barring they make zero moves okay all right yeah i mean i think uh i think you're absolutely poised the best in terms of uh, 
teams in that division. I think the Yanks are in a good spot. You've seen those pitchers pitch really well, but I think if the Red Sox pitchers get a get uh, to that level that you're talking about, I think you'll get a get a get a nice little pad padded uh, lead for you. Love it, hey Sox. <laughs> Jordy, any any hope for the Phillies? Any any shot? Any shot for these for this worst record in the major league team here? All right, Craig. I'm gonna ask you a question. What have you always asked me every time you've come on the pod about the Phillies when they've done terribly, the one and six weeks, the zero oh and seven weeks? You ask me one question every single time. What question is that? When are they bringing up the stud? That question is going to be answered very soon, I believe. The Phils are probably going to trade some guys, maybe not in the position in the uh, defensive positions, but they are going to deal some guys. Pat Nishak, as you were talking about, was a guy that the Red Sox are talking about. He's been kind of he's been thrown around to a, to a couple different names of the Red Sox and the people who are popping up the most right now, but. Those guys in various different positions out there, first base with uh, Dylan Cousins and uh, a d- number of different players. Actually, Cousins is an outfielder, excuse me. But you know, you see Nick Williams coming out in the outfield uh, because of all the different inconsistencies and injuries and designating and then ultimately cutting Michael Kendricks. Um, not Michael Kendricks. He's a football player. How? Um, but... Uh, um, but you see, the Wentz wagon, baby. yeah, the Wentz wagon is, is for real, but yeah, I mean, the Phils are starting to bring up some young guys and you're going to keep seeing it coming up. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's really all we have look to look forward to. It's really unfortunate where they are sitting now. Uh, it kind of stinks that they don't have the worst run differential in baseball, but they're in dead last by eight or nine games. Uh, and they just lost two out of three to one of the teams that has a worse run differential than they did in a game that kind of epitomized their season. Aaron Nola came out, pitched a pretty good game, and the Phillies bats just couldn't get it going for him. He had a couple, you know, shortcomings, a couple, you know, unlucky bounces here and there against the Padres last Saturday, and um, you know, ultimately they they get it, and in the bullpen wasn't much better. Nishik is a uh, Probably the, the only bright spot. Joaquin Benoit had been pretty good, but a little inconsistent. Let's up some homers a lot more than, than Nishik. And you saw that last night in the All-Star game where he can battle his way through an inning and uh, really doesn't let up a lot of guys. That different arm motion, I think, is good enough to at least fool, you know, uh, or at least not fool, but at least uh, get a different viewing on uh, on the, the batter. So, I mean... Definitely a lot of value there and, and starting to see the young guys come up. The The back end is, is certainly something they'll need to address going down the line. But if you know, they want to move a couple starters to the to the bullpen and see if that works out, um, like they did with Ryan Madsen all those years ago, and, and that worked out really well for them, you know, that might be a key. Uh, but the, the big key down the line for the second half is these guys like Odobel Herrera and Michael Franco who – didn't really have a great first half and that the Phillies are keen on on leaving on the team and not trying to flip them for any sort of value. I mean, partially because they, they can't get as much as they could right now. You're going to get, you know, 80 cents on the dollar that you could get or you could have gotten last year. 
Uh, but they really need to step it up. Um, you know, you can see the, those bats emerge. You saw it in that that uh, first half finale with the six home runs. Um, other keys, I mean, Cesar Hernandez being out certainly has not helped. Uh, so you've had a lot of different, you know, flips around the lineup. Uh, but, you know, and, and Freddie Galvis hadn't really stepped up in terms of uh, being that next guy up in terms of, of leading off. Um, he's, you listen, know, listen, you guys, the, the Phillies, you know, there is a ton of young talent on that team. But the fact you had a pitcher who didn't get a – he's been pitching the whole year. Starting pitcher didn't get his first win until about a week ago is yeah. – Wild. Yeah, Eikhoff, uh I mean, he had he wasn't pitching well, and and that was a big. That's another side of it as well as Eikhoff wasn't somebody whose name was was ever going to really be thrown around for trades coming into you know the next couple weeks. But a guy who they almost traded last year and and kept around. He was the he was the other guy in their rotation who stuck it out the whole year. That was Jeremy Hellickson. He's really been not that well this year, uh, and. There haven't really been any injuries, at least, to pull him from any starts. But the fact that he you aren't going to get anything for him at this point uh, is a little disappointing. Um, and the fact that he just isn't pitching very well is, is also as disappointing. You know, I mean, you knew the offense wasn't going to be good, but you thought the pitching could at least win you a couple more games than they have been, and that's certainly been a bummer. What channel or what what uh, position does this Rise Hoskins kid play? Rise Hoskins, that's the first baseman, and he's gonna be. It's interesting because to, you would have thought with Tommy Joseph starting the year so terribly that he'd be called up now at least, or at least as long as you could be waiting for it. Um, but Tommy Joseph has been playing a little better, so it'll be interesting to see how they sort of phase Tojo out and bring Hoskins up. Um, Cousins, the other guy, they're, they're the Phillies version of the Bash Brothers. They've been killing it so far uh, down in the minors. Um, you have a few other guys. You have a couple good pitching prospects. I think they're going to hold off on them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, the future is bright. I'm still pretty optimistic for it. But this year has been a letdown in, in a different way than the Mets were have been for Steve in terms of no injuries, just terrible baseball. Love it. Not sillies. <laughs> What's uh? Yeah, I mean, so Steve, you and I, Greg is uh, Greg's more of a fantasy football guy, but you and I play some fantasy baseball. You, my teams have been doing terribly, also because of injuries, but that's neither here nor there. What kind of predictions or advice do you have for the audience, or anything that you can think of, or players you think might stick out? Teams have been doing okay, so I'm not sure I'm the best to get advice from. I mean, I guess a few names that I think could really like Chris Bryan is one name that if you can get him low, get him a little cheaper now that he's you know hadn't had a great first half, I would definitely go after. I think if the Cubs do have a resurgence, he will be right in the middle of it. He's definitely a guy who could have a big second half. Um, Pitching wise, um, Jacob Barry on the Rays also seems to be a guy be great for teams. Um, I I mean, I know I said I think they're a team that can fall at the same time. I do see them as being a team that might stick around for a while in the second half because they got some good bats, they got some good pitching. Uh, if you can get your hands on Ray's offensive guys, don't be afraid to. Uh, guys like Steven Souza, Logan Morrison, even Evan Longoria, they're pretty much consistent. You know, they perform on a pretty consistent basis now, and you know, they're good guys to look out for if you get them cheap. 
I like that. And on that on that note, I uh, have both Arietta and Bryant on one of my two teams, and I've been offered all sorts of stuff, all sorts of players for them that are basically that eighty cents on the dollar. I haven't, you know, and I I'm in that same boat that I think he'll have a nice resurgent second half, so I haven't pulled the trigger on it. Uh, but if you do come across somebody that's just sick of him, you know, you can probably you can't lowball him too much for him, but I think he. If you can find something, you know, ninety-five cents on the dollar. I mean, I'd pull the trigger on that. If you can. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. A couple guys I have um, uh, that I have, or at least I've been looking at. Um, a guy I got is Chris Taylor for the Dodgers. He's had a, a pretty good first half. Uh, didn't really come into the break very hot, but you know, he he kind of gets that jack of all trades. He interestingly enough has three grand slams on the year. Batting 285, 10 homers, 38 RBIs, not a ton, some stolen bases, but could be a guy, add a little depth for you. Um, I was lucky enough to, to snag Aaron Judge before the uh, the big breakout, so that's at least lucky for me. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys, if you can find, just like Steve said, those names that are out there or somebody sick of them, find them. Greg and I have also talked a number of times of finding you know those hometown guys that you know, might be able to pick up a stat where you might be lacking uh, because I've had a lot of different injuries on my lineup outside of Aaron Judge. I picked up Freddie Galvis uh, a couple weeks into April, uh, and it was kind of the right time to get him because he's only batted, uh, you know, better since his terrible start, and he, he can hit some power. So if you have a guy like that that you know and you don't think other guys in your league might know about, that, that might be a guy that you might want to pick up. Yeah, listen – Judge hit 160 something a couple years, like last year. So let's just uh, 178 with how good this fucking kid is. All right. All right. Well, I mean, let's move right into the to the next next topic. Awards predictions. Do you think is it just Judge runs away with it, or I mean, Greg sounds like you might be uh, shorten the uh, the Judge train. Yeah, but let Steve go first here. All right. Um. I mean, yeah, right now it seems like he is. Um, I don't really think he has much contention unless Trout does something incredible when he comes back and he goes make a run and get in the playoffs. Other than that, the only people I really consider for AL MVPs, I mean, you could really pick anybody out of the Astros lineup, but Carlos Correa, Jose Altuve, George Springer are all having monster seasons. Obviously, it's tough to pick one of those out as an MVP compared to Judge, but... I mean, other than that, I'd say, yeah, for sure, Judge running away with MVP and Ricky of the year right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I'm not really going to short him, but Greg, let's hear your uh, apparent shorting of the Judge. I mean, honestly, it should be good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> bias whatsoever, ladies and gentlemen. Listen, everyone knows I'm the least biased person. I speak in truth only. <laughs> All right? We all know it's the truth, <laughs> all right? <laughs> no, point is simple. Like, I honestly, you know, I think Altuve is a still a little, uh, still a little hurt that he didn't get some the recognition or some of those MVP votes last year. Uh, I think he, I think he turns around and and has continues his unbelievable tear whereas judge you know i feel like at some point you know as a rookie you just you just hit that wall and he's gonna have a little he's gonna have a little uh what do they call that the home run derby 
hangover or whatever that that thing is where you lose all your power after the home run derby because you just look at the swing for defenses. Your swing changes a little bit. He's going to have that. He's going to run into that for a little bit. He's going to struggle after the break. Um, I think Altuve is going to be consistently crushing it, as, as Stevie G mentioned, and I honestly think that uh, he'll end up being the MVP. And Rookie of the Year, I mean, yeah, it's it's pretty clear to see who that's going to be. Um, uh, hard not to give it to a guy who had the year that he's had so far, and even if he has a serious slump and fall-off heading into the rest of the year, he still, I think, did enough in the first half of the season that it would warrant him winning the award. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, that was... Uh... Not as biased as I would have thought, but it was very, very insightful. I think, uh, yeah, I like the like the MVP talk, but I think he's got it. Um, I think it's he definitely has Rookie of the Year. I think he can lock that up. But I mean, Cy Young, do you think Sale keeps it, or do you think anybody else can challenge it? Do you think Vargas gets it or gets close? You think he keeps that up? Yeah, I think it's Sale to lose. Maybe Vargas, he's having a great year, but I don't think he keeps this up for a whole second half. Yeah. And then the only other name I really could consider was Corey Kluber. Yeah. I um, mean, he's been really, really great since he got, he came back off the deal for the Indians. You know, we all know what he's capable of. He puts up a monster second half. He can definitely get in the running, but I think it sells to lose. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, even a guy like Irving Santana, who we've talked about a little bit, uh, Jordy, a couple times, you know, he's the type of guy that, you know, he's, he's putting up some low numbers in Minnesota. If they continue to stay in that first, you know, second place position, sorry, and keep that playoff spot, I think he could be in the conversation as well. Um, but, you know, it's certainly, I, I, the only point I disagree with is, is you know, with, because I predicted Kansas City having a monster second half. I'm not sure Vargas will drop off in terms of his wins and such, but his ERA might go up. I agree with that, but I definitely think that uh, agree with you guys. That's still to lose. Uh, I, I personally would just be uh, Kluber's a great pick, and it's hard not to go against him. But um, still to lose. Yeah, a big thing for Kluber is is we've seen this a couple times. He gets a couple of those double digit dominant starts. I mean, and he gets on a roll. It could be a really, really fun uh, race towards the end of the year. I totally agree with that. Yeah. So if there's anybody that can catch the Alex Kluber. Yeah. Um, and Greg, because you always ask, I want to want to ask you guys, who do you think gets the uh, the Rolades Relief Pitcher of the Year? Little bullpen love. Oh wow. Uh, <laughs> I mean, Kimbrel's having a great year. Uh, uh, that would be my pick now. Maybe Andrew Miller and Cleveland. He's he's always solid. Uh, I'd probably say Kimbrel for now. Yeah, yeah. I would. I'd go Hammer Colon for uh for Tampa Bay if uh the Rays do keep it up. He's had a pretty great year. He's a few blown saves. Uh, a couple more than Kimbrel and a little higher WHIP. But uh, yeah, I think Kimbrel's it's Kimbrel's to lose at least in the American League. Yeah, I mean, if we're just talking strip the American League, I think, I think again we go Kimbrel. Um, but National League, if we're switching over to that, I think uh, Greg Holland is having an unbelievable year for Colorado. Great uh, transition. I think National League has to be Kenley Jansen. I think I think he's got in the area like one point one right now. Oh shit! One or two blown saves. He's been absolutely dominant for the Dodgers. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I would, I'd go Jansen as well, especially with how great the uh, the Dodgers have been playing. I mean, his ERA sub one, whips almost half, which is what Kimbrel's is a point five six for uh, for Jansen. Uh, fifty seven Ks and all done over thirty seven and two thirds innings of work. A uh, few more, actually no, the same amount of innings pitched. Uh, so I mean, both are both are pretty dominant. But yeah, Holland at least is shutting the door a little, a little more. Uh, a few more save opportunities there uh, with the 28 saves. Not, uh, and but he does have one ball and save. So it's an interesting debate on on stat versus you know the eye cast. Little question from the clouds there, Jordy. Keep me you on your toes, you know. Uh, Why well, do? But you always ask. You lose face for a second. Yeah, you always ask. You you always ask where the bullpen love is, and I I gave it in this this megapod. Agreed. All right, National League. Here yeah, we National go. League. Let's do MVP talk there. Uh, National League's a little tougher. You got a much bigger group of players. Big choose from. Uh, I think I'd have to look at West Nolan Arenado or Paul Goldschmidt would probably be my one. Uh, but also with like Bryce Harper, obviously having another massive season for Washington, I think he could have a big second half. Would not be surprised if he won the award. And my one dark horse, Travis Shaw, he's kind of really you know he was traded from Boston for Tyler Thornburg. He hasn't really gotten a lot of talk, but he's been a huge part of Milwaukee's first half surge. Uh, hitting in the middle of that order, he's got 19 homers, 61 RBIs. Uh, you know, he can have a big second half. Him and then maybe even Charlie Blackman is another dark horse. But I think the NL MVP race is wide open for the moment. And uh, Cy Young, I think, is a two-man race. Uh, Scherzer and Kershaw are going to have a really fun, really fun second half race deciding who gets that award. Right now, I lead Scherzer, but a lot still to be determined on that front. And then uh, Rookie of the Year, Tony Bellinger, just... Again, like Judge in the AL, just really far and away running away with the NL Rookie of the Year award. Yeah, agree on. Sixty something RBIs. Yeah. Dominant year. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's it's pretty. Uh, sorry, for me, it, I agree. I, I personally think that Bryce Harper uh, is going to get it simply because. Yeah, I feel like he's one of those guys that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Jordy, but has he won it yet? I don't think so. Yeah, he's won it. No, he, yeah. Uh, two years ago. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, two years ago. But I feel like, I feel like, you know, it's one of those things where when it comes down to a close race, I feel like the baseball writers just end up giving it to, giving it to the big name big guy. Name. Um, you know, kind of like when that should have won it last year, but he gave us a trout because he's a big name guy. Um, but I'm not bitter. Yeah, no, not no biased, hate there. Wow. Uh, I'm not bitter, not biased, but, you know, that happened. <laughs> um, but, no, I agree. I, I think, I think uh, you know, it, it's certainly more of a let's see how they do in the second half type of thing. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Votto got it out in Cincinnati um, or Goldschmidt even in Arizona, like Steve mentioned. Yeah, I could see that. I think – if if Arizona or Colorado even gets a sniff of the Dodgers, and those two guys for their respective teams are a big part of it, I almost feel like you have to give it to them. But Greg, I can totally see where you're getting at with the big name versus the guy that might deserve it a little more. 
Um, but I, if I had to go with one versus the other, I'd probably pick Arenado. Big fan of his. I have been for a few years, especially with uh, you know him finally getting the love that he deserved and getting the start. Uh, part of that's with Chris Bryant not having a great year, but he certainly is a guy that uh, has flown flew under quote unquote under the radar in the mainstream, and it's it's good to see him get there. So. Kind of a little biasly, I hope he gets it so that he gets the uh, the big recognition he deserves. Cy Young, also, can we? Sorry to cut you off. You're but good. Can we just talk? Can we just talk about how how funny and uh, Johnny on the spot that Travis Shaw take was by Stevie G? Oh yeah. I've been I, I've been wanting to talk about Travis Shaw and how the Red Sox traded him for a guy who's been hurt since day one. A uh, little little Joel Embiid. Trust the process joke there, but no real. I mean, it's it's he, he certainly was doing well in Boston, and, and he even ended up wanting to play, or he ended up being put at third because of the log jam that they had at first. But um, you know, he certainly is a guy that the power numbers are there, and the RBIs and and you know, hitting behind fame's house. But um, I love that shout out. Nice job, Stevie. And just just one more thing to add. We didn't really. I mean, we touched on the Dodgers or how they're running away with the National League. The offensively, they don't really have the one true MVP, but don't really don't turn out Clayton Kershaw. He's yeah, won it before. That's true. Would not be surprised if he won another one uh, this year. Yeah, that's true. Especially, I mean, like you said, it's been Scherzer so far and how dominant he's been. But it's not like Clayton Kershaw hasn't been dominant, and if he. I mean, similarly to, to the two guys and the other two West teams, if he carries it all the way through, yeah, that's that's a great pick. Kershaw is slowly becoming the LeBron James of baseball, where what he does in the regular season just does not matter anymore. Yeah. That's expected. Yeah, exactly. He's, got, I mean, he's fourteen and two with like a two point six ERA, and he seems to get no kind. Nobody talks about it, but because it's just expected that he's going to do this. Yeah, it's really crazy. Yeah, part of that too is West Coast. No one likes the fucking West Coast. No, but honestly, what he's doing is unbelievable. And, and, you know, do you think it's one of those things where can you win the MVP and lose to Cy Young? I think you probably wouldn't. Yeah. I just don't see it. I mean, I guess guess it is possible, but Scherzer would have to really, really have a, like, uh, Really far greater year than Kershaw for that to be the case, I think. Yeah, I, I guess it's sort of what they feel like is most valuable if they really take that you know broad definitions of it, and that's how it'd be possible. I could see it maybe happening, but Steve hit the nail on the head. Kershaw would really need to be the big value player to the Dodgers, and Scherzer would need to be just above and beyond better than he was. Towards the trade deadline, 
Yeah, and I think there's some obvious buyers and sellers. We kind of hit it on looking at teams that are most likely to fall off or most likely to uh, jump up. But, I mean, who do you guys think is, is obviously going to be buying, obviously going to be selling, and kind of those big-name players, excuse me, that are going to be shipped? Then we'll look at uh, some sleepers. Um, yeah, I mean, buyers, I think all five of those teams in the National League for sure are going to be shopping for something at the deadline. Um, you know, the Rockies definitely could use some pitching, bullpen and starters. I think all these teams, I mean, that's in particular probably more so than any other contender in baseball. Yeah, they need bullpen. They starting a bullpen pitcher or two uh, as soon as possible because their bullpen is not going to get them through October. I can promise you that. Um, so they need to make a move. And the American League, it's, it's a little tougher. I mean, you know, obviously you got to assume the Red Sox, Yankees, all making moves. Probably, you know, maybe looking at another starter, the Red Sox, maybe a third baseman, Yankees too, looking for a third baseman. Uh, you got to assume teams like Cleveland and Minnesota, and obviously Houston's going to look for more starting pitching. But, uh, I mean, the rest of the AL is really a crapshoot. And I think, uh, you know, one of our next subjects is, you know, the next 11 days and, well, you know, series that stand out to us. One of mine that I've written down is Texas, Kansas City this weekend because they're both hovering around 500, still right in the thick of the wild card race in the American League. Both teams expect to, cont to contend but do have pieces to trade if they look to sell. It'll be very, very interesting to see what direction those teams take because obviously they'll have a big impact on what the market looks like and how it plays out. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a great take there. Um, yeah, I mean, how yeah. those teams do, and, I mean, on the Nationals, quickly, I mean, they don't have a true closer right now, and Joe Blanton is one of their top relievers, who's been okay, but <laughs> it's Joe Blow. It's Joe Blow. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He was, oh, God. World, World Series home run hitter. But... Yeah, I mean, Greg, who do you, who do you think? I mean, is it you got any uh, big names you think are on the on the move? Yeah, so I mean, for me, it's 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 tough because a lot of these teams are so like their best players or guys you want are so young, you know. So like, if, you know, reality is if, if you're if you're on one of these bottom teams, I mean, who do you really have to sell? I mean, Cincinnati has Votto. Um, but I'm not sure that many, uh, for, not many of the first place teams need a first baseman, and they're not going to sell him. So, yeah. like, you know, Pittsburgh would they ever sell McCutcheon? No. So it's like, you know, in terms of sellers, it's it, I think that that's going to be harder to find than, than typical years. Um, selfishly, I'm hoping that the Rangers want to sell Adrian Beltre, the third baseman, over to the Red Sox to fill a hole for both power and a third baseman's bat. But I'm not sure that'll ever happen. Um, but you never know. And honestly, like the Red Sox, Yankees, and even Cleveland, Houston, like everyone's young. So it's like if you want to get a good time player for the playoffs, you're going to have to give up one of those young pieces. And I'm not sure people really want to do that. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Theo made a move out in Chicago because that's just what he does. But, um, again, you'd have to give up some of his either young guys or, or give up some of his old pitchers, which I don't know if he's willing to do. Yeah, that's definitely a uh, good point. I mean, Theo will find probably a value in the smallest little thing for certain players, especially with 
the different little tweaks that the Cubs can do, especially with the, the mind that Joe Madden has and that uh, the crazy minds that come out of Lafayette College. Um, oh, emphasis God. On, emphasis on crazy. Yes. No, no, no. It's not a fun. They're, they're college. It's not fun. Um, but for me, yeah, I mean, you guys hit the nail on the head. I think some of these teams need to make, you know, the Red Sox, Yankees, you know, you need to make a little, some moves, but Greg, you hit it right on the head. And how do you, you know, how do you make the space for it? You don't really want to trade some of the young guys. Um, you know, I mean, I think on, in terms of the sellers, I mean, you, you saw, we, I talked a little bit about, about the Phillies. I think that the, the Reds and the Pirates might be a little more apt, not necessarily for those bigger names of Votto and, and McCutcheon, but maybe for some other guys that are within their, within their teams, you know, you might see if a team needs a second baseman, Josh Harrison on the move. I can see that happening. Um, you know, and names Zach like Cozart, that. for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Cozart, for sure. I mean, he's okay, had a I, monster year. Um, I think there is a lot of talent of that could be available to that line. Yeah, I think so. Specifically, I mean, specifically pitching. I mean, just looking at a list of names I wrote down, Jason Vargas, Garrett Cole, Sonny Gray, Chris Archer. I mean, you Darvish at Texas decides to sell. All right, Dickey's having a bounce back yeah. here. Jose Quintana you know, has been great, but he's coming off what was a great year. And then you look at maybe Tampa Bay is selling Chris Archer. And then one of the team, if the Cubs are, you know, they don't really come out of the break hot and they're losing, do they look to maybe trade Jake Arrieta, who's a creation after this year? Yeah. I mean, I think there's going to be, you can see a lot of big names moved. So, and the bullpen, too. I mean, you got names like Addison Reed, Pat Nishak, Justin Wilson, Brad Hand, Kelvin Herrera, possibly. There's names out there. There's players to be had. And I think you'll see you'll see some big trades go down at the deadline. Yeah, I like that. You, I also thought a quick quick aside back to the All Star game. I thought it was kind of funny. Joe Buck's first comments on Brad Hand was, "Oh, the the Padres got him off waivers from Atlanta, and he's probably going to be moved pretty quickly soon." Like, all right, Joe, wait, wait to give this guy some some love. <laughs> well, didn't the Padres do that last year? Uh, if Pomerantz was the only All Star, and then they traded him a couple days later. Yeah, they did. But yeah. it's funny. Like I don't. I mean, I I don't even think he, he may not have pitched last year. But I don't know. Even if he did, that the first line is well, he was acquired in a trade, and he's definitely not to get traded. <laughs> no other talk about what kind of pitches he has, what he's done over the year, anything like that. Um, yeah, I think I think you're right. The, the pitching market, I think, is is definitely where it's going to get fun. I think Quintana is almost a lock to get moved in terms of uh, you know pitchers we almost or players we we think are are definitely going to be be thrown around. But I think the bullpen is where the real thick of the market's going to be. Uh, as you hit, you know, as we were talking about, the Nationals need it. Everybody needs bullpens, and I mean the the Royals really they built that that uh, model a couple of years ago that got him to back-to-back World Series and a win. And I think, uh, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think they're gonna teams will give up bats for it, but, I mean, if they can go out and get something and, and win now with it, go for it. Yeah, I think teams have seen, particularly what the Indians did last year, you know, they had that dominant pen. They had a guy like Andrew Miller working two innings. You see how important a guy like that is in October. That was one of the things. Yeah, I mean, these guys are huge parts. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it'll, it'll be interesting how the market develops. I think, I mean, honestly, like, I wouldn't be surprised starting July 20th you start seeing trades come in. That, you know, we start seeing it become more and more, a little more spread out rather than online on July 31st. We see, a whole, you know, we see more and more deals and see that market really develop rather, rather than it because there's so much more of these, these thought-out trades. Uh, there's an interesting take I heard on uh, the Rosillo show around, uh, on, that was the second wild card has been almost detrimental to this, this lead-up to the deadline. I can see that, you know, especially in a, in a case where in the National League where you only have a couple teams in it. Um, but in the you know in the American League where so many teams are built on it anyway, that you might have a little more of the the logjam. Uh, but I mean, I, I think it's still as exciting as it can be. It's just I think Greg hit the nail on the head. There's a lot of young players that you're one way or another giving up. Yeah, I hate the second wild. I hate I hate the fact that it's a one it's a one game bullshit fucking. Yeah, that's kind of dumb to me as well. We talked about that before. I think it should be a three game series. Yeah, uh, I'm, a, I'm a fan of the one game playoff for the wild card game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just I think it's, it's a wild like you to win your division, so the, the, you have the, you get the reward of getting a chance to get in. If you get you get one game to do it, like. Your best versus my best, and whoever wins, wins gets in. Like, I think that's the best way to do it. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's like the end of Major League. As long as you get Bob Euchre announcing the game, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. All right, we just fixed we fixed the wild card game. Good there job, guys. Go. <laughs> All right, moving on. All right, so, do you got, so we, we kind of hit the nail. I mean, do you guys have any other sleepers you think might be moving on? Or anybody you... You would, in a perfect world, you know, no fair trades and MLB the show turn those off. You'd want to see move somewhere. Um. Yeah, I mean, any of the top starters, uh, Jason Vargas, Garrett Cole. I just love to see the Astros get another top starter to pair with Keiko and the colors in the playoffs. That'd be, um, that'd be fun. Uh, and then I guess for the National League. I mean, as much as it pains me to say it, if the Nationals, I think they could really, really use a trade with Pittsburgh. I think if something involving McCutcheon and Tony Watson would be good for them. Um, the way McCutcheon's been hitting, it could be too expensive to get both. But I think the Nationals definitely need to get one, if not at least two relievers uh, to share up that bullpen. So something like Watson, Justin Olsen, Mark, or Kelvin Herrera, two of the four of them to the Nationals, something that definitely has to happen. Yeah, that's a that's a good call. I think uh, yeah, Watson's a name that definitely goes a little un- under the radar, but he's certainly a great reliever. Um, that that's good yeah. Check. yeah. I mean, he's coming off a great season. He has not been good this year. He blew a few saves. Uh, he's been lit up a lot, but I think you could make him cheap, affordable option for a lot of teams. I think a change of scenery could be great for him, and I think he he's totally worth a gamble for for a team like the Nationals just looking to add as many arms as they can. Yeah, for sure. We're kind of we're, we've all been very, you know, bounce back sec, second half bounce back positive. So I, I I can see him doing it, and especially the change of scenery did, does him good. Greg, you got you got any uh, sleepers out there? Honestly, it, 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 anything I would say would not sound as smart as what Stevie G just said. <laughs> um, you know, 
he just makes us, at least me, look like a, a no-knowing no person. Um, but honestly, um, you know, in terms of a team that a guy who is sort of a team that could fall off in the second half and a guy who, um, you know, they could look to move, um, Marcel Ozuna, if you will. You think so? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm looking for some power hitters. I'm looking for some RBI guys. Um, but no, I think the Marlins, you know, the Marlins um, are going to fall off as we talked about. And I think he's the type of guy that they can get some, some serious youth and value to start that rebuild process right away for them. Yeah, that's, a, that's an yeah. interesting take. Yeah. See what we're going to say? I'm going to say, I like that pick. I mean, I definitely, they're definitely a wild card in this whole situation with their current. State, you know, looking, you know, just looking to sell the team, probably looking to move as much salary as possible. So, him and Christian Yelich, definitely two names to look out for. It. Yeah, Christian, on the Christian Yelich is a great pick. He's been uh, up and down this year. Um, in certain uh, other apps out there, other fantasy apps, he's uh, always a good value pick, very cheap. So, you can, uh, I mean, I can see that name thrown around a ton. It'd be a great, great pickup if you can get him. One other thing I'll just throw out there regarding this deadline is that I feel like there's a lot of names being tossed around that aren't just rentals. You know, they're one, they got two, three-year contracts, which could, you know, even in, draw the bidding up to include teams that might not necessarily think they're in it, that they're going to make the playoffs this year, but looking to the future, looking for some controllable players, could definitely get in the mix for a guy like Sonny Gray or Chris Archer, who's got a lot of years under their under their belts. Chris Archer, Sonny Gray's name has been tossed up there a lot, Um, and I love the Archer pick. I think he's in the right situation. He could be an unbelievable pitcher. Yeah, if they decide to unload him, I think they could get a lot of guys back for him and maybe really see a a big rebuild there. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's ultimately, I mean, it depends on how they come out. And, I mean, I think that's a good, good segue into looking into the next week and a half Kind of a uh, look ahead on to you know this weekend, so next week, the during the week series, and then next weekend, which uh, we will be back at the end of that weekend. But we'll get to that in a second as we'll uh, do a little housekeeping after we preview this. But this weekend, what should we watch out for, guys? Um, well, this weekend, as I mentioned before, I, the Royals Rangers series really interesting to me, just because I think. One of these teams is going to go. One of these teams could become a buyer. One of these teams could be, you know, declared a seller after this weekend. If you know, if it's a sweep one way or the other, you know, however it plays out, I definitely think one of those. It'll be a big series for both those teams regarding their futures. I like it. Yeah, I mean, we you know, definitely a, uh, could change the dynamic of how everything goes 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 uh, goes down. Uh. Exactly. It's- Greg, what do you got? Well, I mean, if you have to ask that question, I'm not sure that uh, that you know me very well there, Jordy. You're talking about a four-game set here coming up with the Yankees at Fenway Park this weekend. Well, I figured, Um, tell us about it. (laughs) What'd you say? I said, well, I figured, but tell us about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned, a little four-game series here. Red Sox, um, three-game series, which is kind of... No, it's four. They have a. They're they're doing a makeup game on Sunday. Oh, are they? Okay. Yeah. So that's what I was just about to say next, Steve. Um, Sunday, they're actually 
throwing Porcello and Price on the same day to the Yankees. Um, two two you know, national they're, they're, TV games. What'd you say? Two national TV games. Yeah, that's, I'm looking at this here. That's not. games on TBS and night games on ESPN. Yeah, man. The Red Sox are no joke. And it's funny, you know, they come out of the gates. Um, you know, I think, I honestly think it's a smart move. You know, they want to set their lineup or their, their pitching rotation of Sale, Porcello, and Price. And because Price started the year on the DL, they couldn't really set it right away. So he's been sort of in the back end of the rotation, but, you know, they, they want to go sale Porcello, Price, Rodriguez, and then, like I said, the 4-5 of either Pomerantz or Fister probably Pomerantz moving forward, but, um, you know, that, that this allows them to set it up that way, and I think, you know, they got Price and Porcello in the same day, like you guys said, two nationally televised TV games, um, easy for the world to watch. Um, I honestly think that that is the place to... Uh, I think that's the place to watch this weekend, um, and you know, moving forward, I'm 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 a huge fan of uh, <laughs> of this series. And like I said in our AL East podcast, fellas, I said baseball, the MLB is only fun when the Yankees and Red Sox are going at it. And you know, this is it's certainly lived up to that in the beginning, and and hopefully continues here in the second half. Hopefully, the Yankees can can stay strong here. So are you saying you're hoping for a four-game Yankees sweep, Greg? No, I'm, I'm hoping that the Yankees stay relevant after a four-game sweep in the negative, and I hope they can bounce back and, and find their way. I mean, their best player, Aaron Judge, is going to run into a little slump here coming off the home run dinger party he put on. I mean, this guy, and even Gary Sanchez, dude, he was hurt for most of the year for the Yankees, and now that he's back and, and, and going to be hitting, hitting his stride, it's... They're going to be a team to mess with, and you know they have Chapman in the bullpen. They, the big question, the Balances or Patances, whatever the fuck that guy's name is. The big question is uh, if they're going to, if their pitchers are going to put pine tar on their neck or not and cheat to win. But um, starting pitching is going to be an issue for them. But yeah, I'm excited. That's the, I think that's the match for the weekends. Yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, one I think is is kind of a sleeper matchup to look out for, and it's really just because. Uh, it's really, if you're a Cubs fan, is them in Baltimore, uh, mainly just because the Baltimore pitching's terrible, so where else is it better to, to take off? Well, what I'm going to pick is a battle between the Minnesota Twins and the, and the Houston Astros. It's in Houston, so I think it's going to be pretty heavily favored to the Astros, uh, but it, it could be interesting, especially with uh, Minnesota playing pretty well. They've fallen off in terms of their division lead. Uh, that now belongs to Cleveland, but could be interesting to see how that that develops in this uh, you know little West versus Central showdown. Uh, but I mean, definitely, uh, definitely one to look out for. No national TV because that's all absorbed by uh, the uh, Yankees and Red Sox. But some good good starting pitching matchups. Love it. Uh, but, nice job. Yeah. Next next week midweek. What about what do you guys have out there? Um, sticking to that theme you just mentioned, um, I got Yankees Twins. Um, yeah, I like that. The game that the series that could be really big for the wild card with both teams right in the thick of the race. I think the Twins are a game back for the Yankees right now, so uh, that series for sure caught my eye. Yeah, Greg, what about you? Um, I mean, I I was 
Originally, I was thinking about Houston and uh, Seattle, just because, as Steve mentioned, you know, that's a good test for Seattle to see if they can get back into it. Um, but I'm, I'm actually going to go here with uh, Milwaukee-Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's a team that's sort of on that edge and, and on that, you know, we were mentioning, we were mentioning them then go turn out and, and trade deadlines. But if they can have a good series against St. Louis to start and then turn around and follow it up with a, a pretty solid two out of three from Milwaukee, that's two division teams back to back and the division opponents back to back and they can start to cut down on that seven game gap they have there in the central. I like it. I'm going to go a little, uh, little in that same Wild card on the, the edge factor. I'm going to go with the Rays in Oakland. Uh, the Rays are going to be coming off uh, in the midst of their West Coast swing, having just been in L.A. playing the Angels. Uh, I think, I mean, definitely we've seen teams like the Yankees struggle going out West. Granted, the Rays are coming off the All-Star break, so a little, little bit of rest uh, underneath themselves coming into it, but I mean, that was a big test. If they can survive a road trip like that, they could be uh, either right in the driver's seat and might not be selling, or if they struggle, like you've seen teams do. Again, the Yankees did, you know, mere couple weeks ago. We can quickly see uh, the rumors flying about the race trading some players. And I got, I got one thing to mention quickly. Next weekend, uh, which would be Friday the twenty-first. Uh, I know, jumping ahead, but Arizona-Washington, I think that's a series Perfect to look out for moving in there. I actually have that written down, too. Very, very intrigued to see that. A couple of NL powers right now. Yeah, that'll be fun to see, uh, especially in that park, how deep it is, seeing those batters come in. I mean, yeah. the, the Arizona pitching's been great this year, but if you can really see like Harper, Zimmerman get a hold of one, I've seen a couple deep bombs watching uh, watching games on TV in Arizona from years back, but seeing those just take off and chase the other is pretty cool. Yeah, speaking of balls taking off, I'm excited to see Milwaukee uh, Big Bats teeing off in Citizens Bank Park in a couple weekends. I know. I'm going to be, uh, it's unfortunate. The Phillies are home on my birthday for the first time in years, my birthday being that Sunday. And I'm going to be out of town. I'm going to be in Cleveland. All right, humble brag. Let's, uh... <laughs> Whoa, I'm, you know, I was, was going to go right in just talking about the Toronto Cleveland brag about being in Cleveland. Oh, no, I'm, I'm more bummed. Well, shout out to my O'Brien. Congratulations on his wedding coming up. But, <laughs> shout out to Jordan Palooza. Oh, no, that's the next weekend. But, uh... All right, let's do a social calendar here. Here we go. Yeah, but, uh... Yeah, so I was... I mean, that Toronto-Cleveland series could be intriguing if Toronto gets it going, but I don't really see that happening. For me... You know, I was going to say, I, my big one that I, that I was looking at for that weekend uh, probably going to be... I want to say Pittsburgh and, and Colorado. I mean, I think kind of building off Greg's, if Pittsburgh can get it going in, in that kind of wonky AL or NL Central... I think they might have a good shot at it. I mean, the big thing is is you, you want to say those the bats can get a little more uh, pep in their step, if you will, being in a place like Coors Field, but that hasn't really deterred the Colorado Rockies. 
for uh, you know the beginning of the season. So that's at least an interesting storyline as well. Is can that pitching stay stable? Uh, but that, that's one I'd look out for. Other ones, um, well, actually, I'll yeah, I was actually going to say the same thing about that Pittsburgh Colorado series. Yeah, it's looking at looking at Pittsburgh's schedule, they look like it's you know they get three with St. Louis and four with Milwaukee and three with Colorado. But after that, it doesn't look too bad for next month or so. It looks like a stretch where they could really do some damage, and make up some ground on uh, teams in front of them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, you, we we've covered this. You know, a number of times tonight, but how the National League Wild Card builds out, I think it's going to converge a little bit. And I think Pittsburgh's a team that can do that. I mean, there's also that Cubs uh, Cardinals series that's going to be happening that same weekend, which they'll certainly do one way or the other. Um, but I mean, I think you can see you'll see uh, some serious talk developing out in that uh, both trade deadline and, and the Wild Card. I think it's going to be a lot tighter by the time July ends. Hey, little little stump to Jordy here without looking it up. When is the trade deadline? Ooh, is it? Isn't it? Is it August first this year? Because July thirty first is a Monday. I bet your Stevie G knows. Sorry, repeat the question. When is the trade deadline? What date? July thirty first. Jordy, you can look it up now, Jordy. I don't have it in front of me. It's normally it's, it's normally July thirty first. I thought you I thought you had it in front of me. I thought I had you in front of you because uh because it's not. Um Well no no no, I'm pulling it up now. But uh it's always the thirty first. It's always the thirty first, yeah. It's gonna be okay. Yeah, it's it's four PM on July thirty first. But um <laughs> Greg just Greg throwing us off here. He made he made us think he had information in front of him that we didn't. And, and I thought like, oh, it's a Monday. Teams of the day off. Maybe it's not. Oh, Greg. Listen, stump the Jordy. You said August first. I stumped the Jordy. I'll just say that. I thought you were. I thought you had some some, uh, some up your sleeve, Greg. You know, sometimes that doesn't happen often here. Doesn't happen often. Doesn't happen often, but uh, you know, I mean, it's it's good. It's good for the ego. <laughs> Last thoughts here, when Jordy. This has been like a three-hour podcast. It's the mega pod. I mean, that's what we've uh, that's what we've advertised it as, at least uh, amongst ourselves. Considering we don't really do a lot of advertising here, but uh, the heck, what's, what's it all for then? I don't know. I mean, it's for the glory. It's for the glory. I love it. Good yeah. for you. Yeah. Hey, this has been a blast. You're a great host, and Stevie G is always a great guest. With this dude's so knowledgeable, and he just. You know, I said it before. Just sometimes, you know, he says something. It's not even worth me saying anything afterwards because it's just gonna put me to shame. You know, the hard act to follow. But yeah, love having you guys both on. The banter uh, is always to be uh, to be had, and and a lot of fun. Thank you both for coming on. Really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, anytime. Awesome. Hey. Hey, Jordy, since Steve's not a regular listener, um, which he should be, but how does he find it? Yeah, so uh, we're on SoundCloud. That's the main RSS feed, but we are on iTunes. Go subscribe. The bullpen card, pretty easy to look up, just three words. So uh, not a lot of typing on uh, everyone's little phone. Uh, uh, oh, somebody's doing some blending. Um, but... Come on, Jordy. Go check this it. is a professional podcast. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. But, uh, yeah, go check us out on iTunes. Go like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. 
we are on SoundCloud, as I mentioned. You can also find that SoundCloud feed on our website, thunderblogsports.com. A lot of great just, content there. Just so you know, I listen to it via iTunes every day. Do you? That's good. Yeah. Doesn't count towards the stats, though, at least on SoundCloud. Maybe on iTunes, but they don't release it. That's a little, well, uh, talk, little talking just so you know, under the hood. Just, just, just so you know, every every week there's one person who listens, at least via iTunes. So. You're the one? No, I'm just kidding. I know we have more. Thanks, everybody, yeah. for listening. I appreciate no, everyone that listens, and I appreciate all the feedback. If you do have any stadium snacks when you head down to the ballpark, any crazy fans you see, either in person or on the Internet, any beers you've been drinking, uh, anything else you want to see us talk about, if we missed your favorite player, your favorite team, let us know on the various forms of social media I just listed off. But that'll do it for us tonight. Thank you guys again for listening, and thank you, Greg and Steve, for being on. This is Hey, I got a, I got a final thought before oh. you sign off. In the midst of the sign-off, uh, what's going on? What's your thought? So, real quick, I'm not sure for those who don't know, uh, Stephen Brett Geisenheimer, sorry, I didn't mean to say your full name there, but uh, Steve, Stevie G, Jordan, you can cut out his full name, worked for the Major League Baseball Network. So, I feel like a little inside track, a little inside baseball, uh, he, might, he might have some knowledge that uh, so some of the things he said today may actually, in fact, come true tomorrow uh, or later on this week. So just keep an eye out for that, for those loyal listeners. Just know that Jordy got a primetime stud here, and uh, you may have an inside track and a leg up on some some details. Well, I like it. I like it. Yeah, I mean, Stevie G is always, he, both times you've been on, and we need, definitely need to get you on again in the midst of the second half, but it's always a pleasure to have you. Thank you again. You're always Always knowledgeable, as Greg said. Oh, uh, yeah. It's always great to be here, guys. It's a fun time. Oh, yeah. But now, they, am I am I good to sign off now, Greg? No more thoughts? I mean, you tell me. You're the, you're the ideas, man. I, I know. Man. <laughs> I, do, I do like my ideas. But I, uh, I think that's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks again, guys. Have a great night. We'll see you. Uh, uh, Oh, actually, the housekeeping. We, uh, we're we not going to have a pod this Sunday. Going to come back probably once I get back from Cleveland. Hopefully that night, a little birthday pod. Maybe that Monday. Got to figure out the schedules with everybody. But that will do it for us, everyone. Thanks for listening and uh, sticking out. The Mega Pod for the Bullpen Cart. I'm Jordy Cannell. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks again.